Side Hustle Show 288, what I've learned and applied from 49 awesome entrepreneurs, part five. What's up, what's up, Nick Loper here. Welcome to the Side Hustle Show because great advice without taking great action is just words. Special solo show for you today with the fifth installment of what I've learned and applied from 49 awesome entrepreneurs. Kind of uh, an annual tradition on the show and we just passed five years and five and a half million downloads. That's crazy. Thank you. Seriously, thank you so much for tuning in. This has been the most rewarding project that, uh, that I've ever worked on. Seriously. In any case, this is where I look back at the number one tips from the last uh, year or so worth of guests and attempt to pull out the best and the most juiciest, most relevant words of wisdom uh, that have been uttered and try and explain how I interpret the advice how you can implement it, and how I'm applying it or trying to apply it in my business. Because it's one thing to listen to all these smart things that all these smart people say, but it's another to take action on them. And that's what I'm aiming to do. And that's what I hope you'll aim to do from this episode. So if you visit sidehustlenation.com slash tips five, you'll find the complete list of tips from the last 49 guests if you want to refresh your memory. And if you like this style of show, I'm going to link up the previous number one tip uh, roundups there as well. Now, if there were some common themes from the last 50 guests, and there always are, the advice I heard pop up over and over again was, uh, number one, to take action quickly, learn as you go. Uh, number two would be to uh, be persistent. Look, this stuff doesn't happen overnight. And the third thing, kind of a newer one, was to charge more. Don't undervalue yourself. And I know that taken in this context, it sounds like boilerplate motivational speech material, but I want to reiterate as I probably have in all of these Roundup episodes, that when a piece of advice keeps coming up, when successful people with all different businesses use the same phrases, when they're asked for their number one tip, I think that's got to have some weight. So take imperfect action, learn as you go, be persistent, and don't undervalue yourself. Now, I am good at two out of three of those, and I'm working on the third. What about you? Let me know in the comments, sidehustlenation.com slash tips five. Now, here's a tip that doesn't come up as often as it should. Get paid and keep your accounting and paperwork under control. Our sponsor, FreshBooks.com, makes it easy to do just that with their award-winning cloud accounting software that's trusted by more than 10 million customers. With invoicing, expense tracking, proposals, and rockstar support, I think you'll like it too. Visit FreshBooks.com slash side hustle to start your 30-day completely free trial with no credit card required. That's freshbooks.com slash side hustle and enter the side hustle show in the how did you hear about us section. Ready for some juicy number one tips action? Let's do it. All right, the first number one tip I have comes from Mr. Noah Kagan in episode 237. He said, write down your most important priorities for tomorrow, tonight, and then wake up and do them. This sounds like really obvious advice, but I can tell you it's easier said than done. I know this is something I've talked about before, and it's been a really important shift for me, not just writing down the to-dos or the priorities, but actually forcing yourself to accomplish uh, at least one of them, in my case, before diving into email or social media. There's something really powerful about starting your day with intention in proactive mode instead of reactive mode, making progress on your own priorities instead of putting out fires. I was doing this really well for a while, but I've kind of fallen off and need to attack it again with a renewed sense of purpose. Now, uh, with an infant in the house, this has been uh, a bit of a challenge. Like his wake up times aren't uh, consistent enough yet to have a set morning routine. But what I can say is this, 
my days that don't start with a screaming baby, the ones where I can get 15 or even 30 minutes to myself before he wakes up, like I'm in a much better place. So ask yourself when you start your day, is it your day? Or is it somebody else's? Are you moving yourself forward or just reacting to what life is dishing at you? My brother turned me on to this site, optimize.me, which is excellent by a guy, uh, Brian Johnson. And in one of his uh, posts, he talked about uh, bookending your days. He made the argument that we have the most control over the very start and the very end of our days. So it makes sense to take control of those hours or minutes sometimes, if we're being honest, and spend them with intention. Like I don't think I really saw the light of the of Hal Elrod's miracle morning concept until our second little hustler arrived this spring. But now I can get behind the idea of carving out some proactive time for yourself 100%. So write down your most important priorities for tomorrow tonight, and then wake up and do them. Thanks to Noah Kagan for that one. And if you want to check out our whole uh, conversation, I encourage you to do so. It was episode uh, 237. It was one of the most popular episodes of last year. Lots of great feedback on that one. Next up, I have John Cavendish, who uh, offered up in episode 242, Outsource, as soon as you can afford it. I'm actually going to pair that with Anthony Tran's advice from episode 262. And he said, allow yourself to let go. So letting go is probably the hardest thing for me. And well, maybe that's not true. There's some stuff I really don't have a problem with. But when it comes to certain tasks and roles, I'm so used to doing them myself. Like that's where I have a hard time. So allow yourself to let go, really to take control by letting go. Remember the e-myth? Like a lot of entrepreneurs and side hustlers are really good uh, at building themselves into a second job, but not as good as building themselves a system, a business, an asset they can run without them. And not that I would necessarily want my business to run without me. That's the fun part. But there are certainly tasks that I probably shouldn't be doing at this stage. So what can you let go of? I've got uh, an exercise I'll share later in this episode. Uh, that will helpfully, uh, hopefully help you out with some ideas. Now, if you're curious, here's what my team looks like today, my virtual assistant stack, I'll call it. Uh, first off, I've got a service called Fancy Hands that I've been using for, for years. I love the name. It's 75 bucks a month for 15, 20-minute uh, tasks. I'm grandfathered in on some older rate plan, uh, but that's the pricing today. Um, primarily, what they do for me is responding to certain emails on my behalf. They do some proofreading of blog posts. They uh, check in for some flights for me. It's stuff like that. It's not a dedicated service. So when you submit a task, it's going to a pool of different assistants. Um, And so that means you have to have really well documented requests because you never know who's going to pick up the task. The next service that I've really come to rely on over the last few years is a dedicated VA service called OK Relax. And current pricing is, I think, $100 a month for $25. Uh, 30 minute tasks. And the cool thing is, hey, if your task is longer than 30 minutes, just say, hey, burn more tasks on it. It doesn't matter. Um, But where Fancy Hands is US based, okay, relax is not. Uh, My assistant is based in the Philippines. But, um, you know, she's really become uh, an integrated part of the business. So I find okay, relax a little bit better for ongoing requests, um, or, or more repetitive tasks. For example, she runs some weekly reports for me, she installs the lead magnets that you see on several of the podcast episodes. She does research, she formats blog posts. I mean, she does a bunch of different stuff. And and I mean, she's got access and logins to uh, several different important services, including Active Campaign and lead pages and WordPress. So that's definitely not something that I would share with fancy hands, because you wouldn't want their pool of a 1000 different assistants to have all that access. That would be 
a big security problem. So that's okay, relax is the second one. Um, third, I've got a dedicated VA who only does Pinterest. She's my Pinterest virtual assistant. She manages uh, Board Booster and Tailwind with the simple goal of driving traffic from Pinterest. I subscribe to a service called ZenWP. It's a WordPress support service, uh, WordPress maintenance service. They do um, bug fixes and tweaks for Side Hustle Nation. They were uh, a big help during last year's redesign. I kind of think of this as website insurance. Like even if I don't, even if I don't take full advantage of it every month, it's like it's there. They're on call. Like should anything break? Should anything come up? It feels smart to have something like that in the back pocket when so much of the business is is reliant on the website. There are a few other services that I use. The first is a dedicated freelance writer. He is the, the one who's helping kind of summarize the podcast episodes and draft draft the show notes, and he helps with uh, some writing for other sites of mine as well. Um, I have a podcast editing service. They clean up the raw interviews to hopefully something that's a little bit tighter and a little bit easier to listen to. And I have an AMS uh, virtual assistant service. AMS is Amazon Marketing Services. And right now I'm using it just for books, not for merch or for FBA products. But the the reporting is pretty bad and the, campaign, the campaigns are, are time consuming to manage. And so I'm using a service called Book Ads to manage those for me and, and primarily to drive sales for, for buy buttons. And uh, that's been working pretty well for a little over a year, although I've only been a, a book ads customer for maybe half a year, but I like it so far. Still, I'm looking to level up and work smarter the rest of this year and beyond. My mastermind group has encouraged me to look at bringing on an executive assistant uh, type of role to help with email and maybe act as an editor-in-chief for the site. So, so we'll see. Take control by letting go. Some advice I'm taking to heart from John Cavendish and, uh, and Anthony Tran. Thanks, guys, for that. Next up is Christopher Gimmer from episode 249. He said, think about how you're going to get customers before building the product. Now, Christopher, you might remember he was the co-founder of Snappa, a graphic design tool for social media. Now, so many guests have talked about their experiences, you know, building a thing, toiling away, and then having it flop horribly when they try to sell it. And I've, I've had the same thing happen. And the flip side of that is when you can pre-sell it to a list of hungry buyers and then go out and build it. Now, that's a strategy we've heard uh, a lot as well from different guests, and it's something I'm convinced I've got to do for my next big project. If nobody wants it, that's okay. I've got lots of other stuff to work on. This is actually a big shift for me since almost everything I've done has been on spec. I'm basically you know, writing it or creating it and then putting it out into the world, hoping something good happens. It can work, but it's riskier because there's a lot of upfront time and effort. I remember actually getting annoyed with some some friends of mine or internet peers of mine, you know, for launching like a crowdfunding campaign for their book. And I'm like, really? Just write the book. But I can see the wisdom in that plan to validate your project before you dive too deep into it. So think about how you're going to get customers before building the product. And I think that applies to service businesses and physical product businesses as well. How are you going to get in front of your target customers? Do you have uh, an audience, a list? Can you borrow somebody else's audience or list? Do you have a foot in the door somehow? I think that's really important stuff to think about. So thank you to Christopher Gimmer for that one. Again, that was episode 249, kind of a SaaS themed episode on, on building a software product. In episode 253, I spoke with Kim and Kressel Anderson about kind of their early retirement journey. It was kind of a kind of an escape plan. 
episode how to, you know, live an alternative script, basically. And that was a really inspiring one for me. You know, on the production side, there was a lot of audio technical difficulties on the call. So you, you might have noticed the format was slightly different, which some people liked and some people hated. But at the end, Kressel's number one tip was to arrange yourself for financial flexibility. That's a little bit of a different term than financial freedom or financial independence uh, we heard about last week with, with Jonathan from Choose FI or even early retirement to arrange yourself for financial flexibility. In Kim and Kressel's case, that meant eliminating debt, keeping expenses low, side hustling, and eventually realizing they didn't need Kressel's income anymore. Had they lived up to their means, they would have been trapped. And I remember from that episode, just a crazy commute that was going on in Atlanta. But instead, they had that flexibility. I'll give the example of when I quit my job. I don't think the business, this was my footwear comparison shopping site at the time, was fully replacing my income yet, which was around 50 grand a year salary plus a company car. But it was making enough to cover my monthly expenses. And it had been, and it had been doing so for a couple years. I probably had a year's worth of expenses uh, saved up, and I could see how with an extra 40 or 50 hours a week to dedicate to the business, it could exceed my old salary. And I had the financial flexibility to take that leap. And if you love your job, there's no harm in staying. But if you arrange your life in this way, you're prepared should your job ever stop loving you back. For example, my wife, Bryn, is still working her engineering job not necessarily because she needs to, but because she enjoys the challenges and and her coworkers and her contribution there. And if or when it stops being fun and challenging and engaging, she's got the flexibility to peace out. So I want to thank Kressel for that nugget. Again, check out episode 253, one of my favorites from, from last year. And not just because Kim is the blogger person who retired her engineering spouse, and I'm trying to do the same, uh, you know, if she wants to, of course. Did you know that roughly half of Side Hustle Nation hasn't started their side hustle yet? If that's you, I get it. Starting and building a business is tough. It takes more than just an idea. There are tons of moving parts, and it's a bit like trying to assemble your airplane in the middle of takeoff. Thankfully, our sponsor, Taylor Brands, is helping Side Hustle Show listeners make that leap and make it all a lot easier. Their comprehensive platform guides you through every step, making sure you have everything you need all in one place. Think of it like your behind-the-scenes partner for things like LLC formation, licenses and permits, getting an EIN, setting up your business bank account, bookkeeping and invoicing, insurance, logos, trademark protection, and a lot more. Taylor Brands helps you handle it all seamlessly. And to get you started, Side Hustle Show listeners get 35% off Taylor Brands LLC formation plans when you use our link. That's taylorbrands.com slash side hustle. Taylor Brands, like a tailor for your clothes. T-A-I-L-O-R-B-R-A-N-D-S dot com slash side hustle. Start your business journey today with the help of Taylor Brands. When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search and hit the ground running with your new hire. But what if you could get rid of the search part and just get matched with qualified candidates? Well, now you can with our sponsor, Indeed. It's simple. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. The matching and hiring platform is trusted by over 3.5 million businesses worldwide to connect with great talent faster. And 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. For my next hire, 
I'm using Indeed to tap into a talent pool of 350 million unique monthly visitors. And what else is cool is Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use it, the better it gets. And how about this? Side Hustle Show listeners get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show. Just go to Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. In episode 257, Michelle Schroeder-Gardner from Making Sense of Sense uh, told me the average person watches 34 hours of TV a week. Take 15 or 20 of those to build your side hustle. I've seen those stats too, and they seem insanely high, right? I don't even know how almost five hours of TV a day would even be possible, and I'm confident that you don't have that much idle time in your day. But I think Michelle's point was this, even though we're all crazy busy and strapped for time. The time is there. We just have to look for it and be intentional about how we use it. We have 168 hours in a week, which hopefully makes it sound more abundant than than we might perceive. Could you carve out eight hours? That's a tiny fraction. 18 hours, you'd still have 150 or 160 hours left over. So how have I been implementing this? Um, in nap times and early mornings and after bedtime, to, to be honest, this spring, you never, you never really know how long that baby nap is going to last. So you got to hustle while you can. And so far, our little guy has got the habit of waking up around 4.30 or 5 some days. Again, not super predictable. Um, and so we can hang out for a bit and then we'll let mom rest. And then he gets tired and I can hold him and do some Kindle reading on the couch. It's, it feels good to get some, get some snuggles in and, uh, and do some reading, which kind of lessens the pain of getting woken up at that hour by crying. And, uh, it's not every night, but I found the hours of 9 to 11 p.m. to be a pretty productive time as well. And usually that's just catching up on the day's work. Now, we realize that the newborn stage is just, you know, a, a season in our lives and actually a very short season uh, with, the, with the hindsight of, of having a two-year-old as well. But I think we can channel how we're working with really limited time to get more of the important stuff done. Like uh, like I said, after our first son was born, I think having a baby made me less productive in that I'm physically doing less, but it's made me more efficient. You have to be really selective with your tasks and really stay focused on them when you do have that miracle chunk of time to work. So like Michelle said, look for 15 to 20 hours a week. It sounds hard when you're looking at it day by day, but maybe it makes more sense to look at the calendar in a weekly format to see how you can divvy up those 168 hours. In episode 261, my online fitness coach, Rob Dion from Open Sky Fitness, dropped this bomb on me. The process is the result. This is one of my all-time favorite bits of advice, and probably because it's one I need to hear over and over again. Like, like, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Look, there is no there. Every destination, every single destination is greeted with the same question. Well, now what? So the process is the result. This is the slight edge. This is the the call to learn to love the day-to-day because it's all day-to-day. And don't get me wrong, I'm all for setting goals. After all, if you, you know, if you don't know where you're going, how are you going to know how to get there? But I'm coming to see these goals more as milestones instead of endpoints because the journey doesn't stop at the result, at that at that endpoint. So I think that reframed through that lens the challenges and the barriers that stand in your way become just little mini quests 
to conquer. It doesn't mean it's always going to be easy or fun because it's not, but it does allow you to be uh, proactive and positive about the journey. So what does that really mean? It means instead of fixating on some result, consider the process that will take you there. If the result is launching a best-selling book, what's the process that will take you there? If the process is building a $10,000 a month consultancy, what's the process that will take you there? Because this kind of leads into the next number one tip I want to talk about. If you can fall in love with the process, the results are going to come automatically. So thanks to Rob for that important reminder and one we really can live every day. And that brings me to Greg Hickman's advice from episode 270, to fall in love with the problem, not the solution. So as I alluded to a moment ago, Greg's advice was a nugget that hit home for me as well this year. The reason is the solutions may change, right? The the strategies and tactics you offer up may change, but the underlying problem is probably still there. There are probably dozens of examples of this in different business books, like, um, you know, had the railroad companies been obsessed with the problem of moving people from place to place uh, and not their specific railroad-driven solution, they might have been the ones to come up with cars and airplanes or the uh, ice delivery people. You know, people needed to keep their food from spoiling. That's a problem. Hey, we've got a solution for that. But they didn't innovate. They didn't come up with the refrigerator and the in-home freezer system because they were in love with their solution, not the underlying problem. So Greg's call is one that I've been thinking a lot about lately. What's the problem? Well, in my case, people need or want to make more money. Are blog posts and podcast episodes the best way to solve that problem? Is there a better, smarter solution I should be putting forward? I'm still very much in love with the problem, but I'm thinking about how I can better solve it. And don't worry, the show's not going anywhere. But how can you apply that in your own business? Again, that was Greg Hickman from episode 270, Fall in Love with the Problem, Not the Solution. I'll be back with one more number one tip after a word from our sponsor. A common theme on the show is developing the skill of learning new skills. And if you're about to launch your side hustle, or if you're already neck deep in it, handling your numbers, your paperwork, and your administrative stuff is a skill that needs some attention. That's where our sponsor FreshBooks comes in. FreshBooks makes ridiculously easy cloud accounting software designed specifically for side hustlers and freelancers who need to get up to speed in a hurry on the bookkeeping and accounting front. The reason I mentioned getting up to speed in a hurry is because FreshBooks has designed their software so there's pretty much no learning curve. For instance, you can create and send polished, professional-looking invoices in about 30 seconds. You can set yourself up to receive payments online in just two clicks, and you can take pictures of receipts with your phone to make managing your expenses a million times easier. Truthfully, this is just a sliver of what FreshBooks can do to help you master the skill of dealing with your paperwork. I've been a customer for years, and as a Side Hustle Show listener, I want to invite you to claim your unrestricted 30-day free trial at freshbooks.com slash sidehustle. That's freshbooks.com slash sidehustle, and enter the Side Hustle Show in the How Did You Hear About Us section. In episode 281, James Johnson reminded us to focus on income-generating activities. And again, this sounds super obvious, like... What do you think I'm doing? Just sitting around wasting my time? Of course, I'm focusing on income generating activities. So what I encourage you to do is a time audit. And it can just be of your side hustle time, not your entire week, if that's too ambitious. I usually just use Excel when I do these, but you can use a tool like A-Time Logger or Toggle, T-O-G-G-L, to do this as well if you want something a little more high tech. Or you can just use pen and paper if you like. But record what you're working on, your start time and your stop time, do it for a week or two and then tally up the hours. You're going to have a detailed log of where your side hustle time really went 
and how much time you spent on each task. Then you can sort that list either by time. That's why I like doing it in Excel. Um, sort it by time, uh, like total hours spent or by the activities that are self-defined to be the highest priority in your business, the stuff that is bringing in income for you. And you can cross-reference those high-priority tasks with the hours you spend. Are you really focusing on income-generating activities? The numbers aren't going to lie. When I went through this exercise again recently, I was spending quite a bit of time on stuff I really couldn't pin a direct ROI to, which is okay. You might not be able to either, but a lot of that stuff probably didn't need to be need to be me doing it. It um, it was already important enough to get done. I'd kind of moved past the elimination stage, but I uncovered some opportunities for the delegation stage. Kind of goes back to Anthony's point about giving myself permission to let go. Since we all have limited time, let's make sure to spend it on the stuff that's most important to us. So I appreciated James's reminder to focus on the income generating activities. Again, that was episode 281. If you want to check out our full chat about building a freelance business from the ground up. Now, how about a number one tip from me? I know in episode 50, I said, find your why. And I still agree with that. And over the years, I've added others. I think like um, uh, adopt an experimenter's mindset and take control of your calendar. But the advice that's coming to mind uh, to me as I'm recording this one is just to make progress every day. Even just one step forward, it's better than standing still. You'll feel better, or at least I know I do, if I can just do one small thing. You might have some big goals or big projects that you're tackling, and uh, and you're putting them off, and putting them off because there's never enough time to get started. I'm totally guilty of this too, so I don't want to play like holier than thou. There are like monster epic posts that I want to write that I know are going to take 20 hours or more, so I just keep putting them off. There are book and course projects that are sitting half outlined on my hard drive because it's too daunting a project to tackle in the little fits and spurts of time that I'm finding to work right now. But the thing is, if I chipped away at those in five minute, 15 minute, 30 minute chunks over the course of a few days or weeks, I'd have made meaningful progress. So that's what I want to leave you with. There's never going to be the miraculous 20 hour block of time to sit down and crank out your thing. It's going to be an accumulation of starts and stops but practice starting and starting again and starting again. And all of a sudden starting gets easier. And before you know it, you've built something you didn't have time to do. I need to take that advice to heart myself. So, so definitely hold me to it. You can find all 49 tips at sidehustlenation.com slash tips five. Let me know your favorite and drop in a number one tip of your own in the comments down there. If you like what you've been hearing on the Side Hustle Show, make sure to hit the subscribe button in your podcast player app. That way you'll never miss an episode and we've got some good ones coming up. That's it for me. Thank you so much for tuning in and thank you for all the support over the last five years. Until next time, let's go out there and make something happen and I'll catch you in the next edition of The Side Hustle Show where you'll meet an Amazon seller who pivoted into something completely different who's now earning 200 bucks an hour teaching after school programs. I'll see you then. Hustle on. Thanks for listening to The Side Hustle Show at www.sidehustlenation.com. 